You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. took some time this week to to look at about 80 different definitions of of faith and i looked at all of these definitions of faith from from various dictionaries and of course I I couldn't bring to you all 80 so I, I wanted the Holy Spirit to direct me in reference to the few that I should discuss with you and I wanted them to be so simple to the point to where everyone could, could grasp it. And so I just want to talk about three of the definitions that, that I found in these dictionaries in reference to, to faith. Very simple definitions. The, the first definition is just simply... Uh, allegiance or loyalty to something or somebody. Allegiance or loyalty to something or somebody. Now, when you consider that, in one sense, uh, that can be applied to us as Christians because we should be loyal to God and all that pertains to him. Whether it's the church, leadership, and so forth, we should be loyal. You agree? Second definition was adherence to certain beliefs or principles. Adherence. You're glued to something. You're sticking to something. Specifically to To your beliefs. You believe that you're going to to get a job. And so you're you're sticking to it. Now that can be just for anybody. Christian or not. You just believe in that you're going to get the job. And so you, you stick it to that. 
Now, when we put a Christian flavor on it, we would say, I'm believing God is going to bless me with this job. Even though there are a hundred applicants that are believing the same thing. I'm just believing that God is going to touch whoever is going to make the decision. And they're going to give me a call by Friday. And so again, it's a definition that that you can consider as a Christian or a non-Christian. And the final definition of faith that I found that I wanted to share is you're just believing something is going to happen that does not normally happen. And again, that can be applied to Christian a non-Christian. You have scientists that, that just keep working on something over and over again. And, 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 and they are just believing that sooner or later they're going to make the right combinations. And they're going to come up with a drug for you. They may even make a combination and come up, come up with something on accident. And they end up making a ton of money off you. Yeah. And, and there have been certain drugs, such as, such as Viagra, that they just came up with on accident. But say, hey, we was trying to use it to... But guess what? We done found out it's good for something else. (laughs) And so even though they won't call it faith, that's exactly what happened according to the definition I gave you. That's what happened. They were hoping for something that usually does not take place. And again, that that can be used as a Christian and and non-Christian. Because you you have some folks that that say, hey, I I, I don't see that that money up under that pillow, but I'm just believing God that money going to be up under that And some preachers would even say something like that and just, and would have no basis, biblically speaking. But that's just what they believe faith is. Had a preacher tell me one time, he said, I know that God is just leading me to leave this job. 
is hindering me. And I don't know, you, I think I've told you this story before. I, I said, well, I said, what are you leading you to do? He's just telling me that, that it's, it's time for me to go full-time pastoring. So I'm just, I know I need to leave. I said, well, how many hours do you work? He said, they just got me on part-time now. I'm doing 20 hours. I said, well, how many people do you, do you uh, have? How many people up under you that you're pastoring? I got seven right now. I said, brother, look, God ain't leading you. To leave your job and he ain't <laughs> leading you to go no full time pastoring I say it may feel like it's God and you may even try to convince yourself that is God you may even get two, two or three more folk that's on the same level you own to just say to you that is God. But that's not God. How can you say that, preacher? Because God does everything decently and in order. And when Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 14, it was pertaining to the church. He'll never do Something that's in contrast to, to the word. But people call such like that faith. That's what they call it. They call it faith. And some of us have actually said certain things like that and deemed it faith. But it's not faith. It's crazy. So I've given you three definitions of faith. Based upon dictionaries. And, and most of them were, were uh, universal dictionaries. Things that folks believe all over world. Hebrews 11 and 1 is a biblical definition of faith. That's what it is. It's a biblical definition of faith. In all of the dictionaries that, that, that I looked in, not one had this definition. I looked in dictionaries on, on the internet. And then I, I've got about 60 personal dictionaries that I looked in. None of them, including mine, had this definition when it comes to faith. Now, when it comes to the question of what is a definition? A definition is the act of defining what something 
or somebody means. What is the purpose of this word? What traits manifest because of this this word? What is the significance of this word as it relates to society? What is the significance of this word as it relates to different cultures? What is this word about? That's the reason when you consider uh, what a definition is, that's the reason when you look at one word in a dictionary, it can be defined a hundred ways. Whether it's a literal way, figurative way, connotative way, or denotative way, you can just see a long list. Number one, but out of all of the dictionaries that I looked in, and, and I've got to be repetitive, I did not see this one. It may be in your dictionary, but it was not in the ones that I looked at. Which lets me know there are some things that only God can define. Or there are some things that, that God will use spirit-filled folks to define. That you will not find in Webster, in Carter, the English dictionary, or other dictionaries. You won't find them there because men and women of God wrote them as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And, and we know God changes not so God is still honoring what was written, but he's also still sending forth revelation. He wants his people to be wise when it comes to faith. Wants his people to be wise in particular when, when it comes to what he has ordained to be manifested or to come to fruition because of faith. See, because faith, biblically speaking, is a powerful thing. In 1 John 5 and 4, John, John penned, the victory that overcomes the world is even our faith. Faith has overcoming power. Faith can, can make happen what dynamite can't make happen. Faith can make happen what money can't make happen. 
Faith can make happen what medicine can't make happen. Faith can make happen what the greatest professional you know can't make happen. Why? The victory that overcomes is even our faith. That's the reason the enemy tries to keep us away from walking by faith. Does not want you to walk by faith. What wants you to continue to be like regular folk. Wants you to continue to think, talk, and act like a sinner. Even though you are confessing Christ as Lord and Savior. He don't want you to be dedicated to the church. Even though you know faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. God and you can't hear this type teaching preaching unless it's from a God sent preacher and that's Romans 10 14 through 17 in part we have to be to the point to where we understand that faith is important to God so much so to where he did not allow Webster or anybody else to define nor Socrates or, or others that were living during the time of people in the Old and the New Testament. Because there, there are dictionaries that, that can take you back to a definition that, that was given in the third century. Call it archaic. Antiquated because it's so old. God said, no, this has to be imputed into my people that they may know that is not just defined in the normal sense, but it's defined based upon the power of God. You can't help but look at Hebrews 11 and 1 and know that if this is the happen, God got to be in it. This is not regular when it comes to the to a meaning of a word. This is a God ordained word. Therefore, you have to be in tune with the Spirit of God to hear and receive what God is going to say about this verse. And it's amazing because the particular definition here in Hebrews 11 and 1 of faith is in two parts. And I'm not going to mess up the parts. I'm, I'm, I'm going to deal with the part separate in order for you to be clear about what God wants you to know in reference to his faith. First clause. Now faith is the substance of things hopeful. First part of the definition. The substance. The tangible. The genuine. The real. 
is real. And as a faith walk, I have to hope for substance. Faith is the substance of things. Hope for. Why do I have to hope for substance or, or, or something that is real? Because some things that, that are real are bigger than us. Remember the definition of hope in, in Romans 8, 24 and 25 in part that it, it basically states that if you see it, why should you hope for it? So hope is in the unseen ring. Now, if I literally see it, but then I know that I don't have the means to get it. The implication, though I see it, literally, is unseen or impossible for me to get, literally, unless I have hope. I can see it. But I have to hope for it because it's bigger than me. I see in the scripture that God did heal folk. And I'm in need of the same thing. I see it. I have even heard testimonies about him healing folk. But it's bigger than me. And so I've got to hope for what I've heard about. A hope for what I've read. I read he'll bless you if you give good measure press down. Well, if you give, I've read that he'll bless you good measure press down, shaking together and running over. I've, I've read it. But if it's going to happen for me, I got to give and then hope. I got to do what the scripture says and then I've got to hope. Faith is the substance of things. Hope for. I'm hoping for some things that are real, but they're bigger than me. If I can just go and pay for it, no reason to hope for it. But if I don't, I got to put God. Say to your neighbor, he, he's talking to Christians. <laughs> Folks who live by faith. And, and see, so, some folks don't like the biblical definition of faith because it's a process. They don't want to go through the process. They, they don't want to go through the time of hoping because 
they allow their eyes to lead them instead of God. I said they don't want to go through the process because they allow their eyes to lead them instead of God. Because sometimes when you're hoping, you're going to fall into a dilemma that being, well, I've been hoping for 30 days. But I hadn't seen what I was expecting. Do I keep doing what I'm doing? Or do I keep hoping? Or do I look for an alternative? Now this is sad, but it's in the church. In the church, you have folks that will shout about what they hear. Shout about the seasons of God. But after a period of time, if they're not experiencing what they have heard, if they're not experiencing even what they heard somebody testify about, they will start considering an alternative. They they will stop doing what the Bible tells us we shouldn't stop doing, and that is hoping. Until we see it. Now when when you do that. You're getting out of the will of God. Because Hebrews 10 and 35 says. Cast not away therefore your confidence. Which equates hope. It says don't cast it away. No matter what it looks like. You don't put God on it. So why should you. So why should you give up on something that you have given to God? Why should you give up on something that you have given to somebody that can do anything save fail? Why should you give up on something that somebody such as God who has never said he was going to bless you with it? Look at somebody and say, never give up on what you're hoping for. When it's based upon biblical faith. If it's biblical faith, you got to hold on to your hope. Because God is going to bring what you're hoping for to pass. Some of y'all are not happy yet. Look at somebody and say, you got to remember what Moses said on God's behalf. Moses said in the book of Numbers, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said it? Will he not do it? Will he not bring it to pass? Look at somebody, if it be true, tell them I can't give up on what I'm hoping for. Even though they've been sending me signs after signs after signs saying that it ain't going to happen. And and I understand they don't know because it's in the realm of the impossible. But my God specializes in the impossible. My own family thought I wouldn't be anything. But God did the impossible. And now my family knows that I am a walking miracle. Oh, that's some of our testimony. You were an impossible case when it came to folks looking at you. But God said, I can fix her. I can straighten her. I can turn her completely around. It's going to take me changing.
changing her on the altar and then putting in her the Holy Spirit but I can work with her and you ain't been the same since God got to work it on you from your crown to the sole of your feet so I have to understand that faith is the substance of things hope for the evidence of things not seen. Woo. But let me, let me just back up and just stick with the first clause. I'm hoping for this right here. And, and, and you, you have to be careful because everybody on your row or everybody in your church is not going to agree with you that you're going to get what you're hoping for. Some of them don't want you to get it because of being haters. But some don't want you to get it because they are not on the same level that you're on. Everybody in your church is not on the same level that your own child of God. You come to church hungry and thirsty and God done promised that he'll fill you. But like it or not, there are still folk that come to church. They are coming to church to play. They are coming to church to just hear what's being said, what's being done. And I just got to pause one minute and ask you, why do you come? the church oh I need somebody to help me out just ask somebody why do you come to church do you come to see what somebody gonna be wearing do you come just to hear the latest news in the community or do you come with a hunger and a thirst for righteousness so God can feel you from your crown to the sole of your feet so God can put in your spirit in your soul and in your body exactly what it's going to take for you to be a faith walker say to your neighbor I'm hoping for something that I don't have the money to get. But God done promised me I could have it. I'm hoping for something. I don't have the education to get. But God said it's going to be mine. I didn't get the master's degree. I didn't get the BA degree. But God said it would be mine. And so I'm hoping for it. Faith is the substance of things hopeful. Let's consider one quick example. Oh, the mercy. Let's go to the book of... Uh, Matthew. Lord have mercy. Matthew 9. Remember the first clause. Faith is the substance of things hopeful. 
Keep that clause in mind as we read Matthew 9. Mother alluded to this earlier. Matthew 9. We'll start at verse 20. And suddenly, a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his or Jesus' garment. Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, well, let me back up. I done went to 22 too quick. That's 21. She touched the hem of his garment for she said to herself, notice the hope, if only I may touch his garment. I shall be made well. That's scientifically impossible. Scientists would look at this and say, that, that, that can never happen. Touch mine and just see if. <laughs> That's the reason folks are now discrediting the Bible. Because they, they, they don't recognize the holy from the unholy, the clean from the unclean. The world from the sacred. Used to be a time they did, but not now. A shifting has happened. We got to get the Bible out of the school because what they're saying in it is not real. We got to make up some, some, some things and we're going to call it the Bible. But we're going to put a modern twist on it. And so folks going to think it's still the Bible and it came from the original documents. But we're going to make some things okay that the Bible said is not okay. Okay. It's too sexist. We got to change it. It's racial. We got to change it. It's not clear when it comes to certain things. We got to change it so everybody can understand. But some things were never meant for you to understand except through an anointed vessel. Ow! give you shepherds according to my heart that will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Surely I will do nothing unless I reveal my secret unto my servants the prophets. Believe the Lord your God shows shall you be established believe his prophet
so shall you you prosper but the woman had hope in the text Jesus is real And everything that pertains to him is real. She didn't want to touch him. She just wanted to touch something that pertained to him. A portrait of the church. Well, if I could just see Jesus, I would believe. No, Jesus wants you to believe what pertains to him. People that are connected to him. He was the one that calls forth disciples. He was the ones that put in the being of people that, that they would be like him. She said, I just need to touch his, his garment. Just the him. The him. To him. She picked out, she picked out what part she needed to touch. She could have said the belt. Better yet, he had on sandals or no shoes at all. She could have just said, if I just touch his feet. But she was just looking to touch that which pertains to him. But, but then, just leaving the text for a minute, there was a man. He didn't even need to touch a him. His hope was in God just speaking the word. Master, ain't no need in you going to see about my sick servant. All I need you to do is just say it and he'll be well. I long for the day to where the only ones that will have to come to the altar is sinners. Because saints are in their seat getting healed. Putting their hands up as the word of God is coming forth. Saying thank you Lord. Because they have received their healing. They have received their rhema. They have received exactly what they came to the house of God to get. Finally, Lord have mercy. Let me hurry. Verse 22. Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith that made you whole, that made you well. Your faith. Your faith. Faith is the substance of things hopeful. You had a hope that didn't quit until you touched that hymn. And you got it. But the second part of faith in Hebrews 11 and 1 
is the evidence of things not seen. There is proof. That you can get, have, or possess what you don't see. Hold on. Or what's in the realm of the impossible. The evidence of things not seen. I don't see where nobody... Like me, can have it, but this Bible says I can. You, you, you know, my doctor saying that this is this is incurable. It is no cure nowhere. But this Bible right here says they brought to Jesus. Folk that had all kind of sicknesses and diseases. And they were cured. This is what bothers me sometimes. You, you have saints that say, you know, it ain't no cure for it. See, see, you have to clarify. Do you mean it is no cure for it based upon the text book that your doctor has been looking for a cure out of? Or are you basing it on, on what your lawyer went on the internet and looked in Black's law book to see if he could find a case like your case to present to the judge. See, see sometimes folk give us second-hand information. A man-made information. And we take it as if it came from God. But get this. Then the ones that God told he, would, he was going to use to speak his word. We'll hear what they have to say and take their word basically as nonsense Oh, I got to pray about that. But it was based upon scripture. What's to pray about? The anointing of the presence of God was all on. So what's to pray about? After all, he said he was going to send it line upon line. Precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. Why is it here a little and there a little? Because he's going to make sure. That is broken down so plain to where even a wayfaring fool can't miss it. 
That's the reason the Bible says be careful of what you hear. But then James picked it up and James said be quick or swift to hear. Don't let anybody distract you. Make sure you're listening to what God is saying. But then John took it a little further when he started addressing churches that were problematic in the book of Revelations. He said to them, let him that has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Well, all of them had physical ears. What it was he talking about? He was talking about their spirit or their God consciousness. Because there are some things that God will put forth. You can't just hear it with your natural earring and shout about it. It has to get down in your being before you get your hallelujah. It has to get down in your soul before you start dancing about. God can tell you in, in, in the midst of a chaotic situation, it is waiting. And folk that know the situation and, and, and are looking at, at you and what you're going through, they will laugh about it or think that what the Lord said was crazy until they see the manifestation. But children of God need to shout about it even though they don't see the manifestation when it's spoken. Why? Jesus himself said to Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen but they still believe say to your neighbor you gotta believe in the unseen the evidence of things not seen how many of us can, can go to the bank can go to the Lawyer can go to the doctor, can go to the car lot and, and, and pull up on the car lot in, in a car that the man told you, you you never would have. How many of you can pull up, can pull up and say, hey, I, I need you to come on out here for a minute. You remember what you said is going to take me five years to get. I just wanted you to see what God did today and, and by the way before you start walking around it is a newer model than the one you were trying to give me and the payments and the interest are better too how many of you can go by the loan officer's house and, and if he would be so kind as to get in your car and allow you to take him to your neighborhood and show him the house that he said you would never get. Say to your neighbor, I am living proof of this second clause. The evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not See the evidence of things not. How many folk in here are supposed to be?
dead right now. According to the medical record. Homeless right now. According to your money situation. The evidence of things not seen. A lot of you have been through so much mentally. Psychiatrists would, would, would hear your story and say, why in the world are you not institutionalized? Why? Why in the world are you smiling and you went through all that you're going through? I, I'm, I'm going to tell y'all something. I don't, I don't think he'll mind me saying it. But, but there was a doctor that did not understand why Brother Candyman had went through Brother Lenon's almond. We call him Candyman. But, but had went through all that he had went through. And when he came through the doctor's office and sat down to talk with the doctor, he was smiling. He was still happy. And the doctor said, how in the world you done been through all that you done been through and you're still happy? He didn't understand why he was still happy. A fruit of the spirit is joy. And say to your neighbor, the joy that God gives you. The world didn't give it. And the world can't take it away. You better put your hand together and say, I'm evidence of things not seen. High five three folks and tell them I'm evidence of things not seen. Ella Jackson went to school to be an executive chef, but now he is an executive over many, many corporations or, or many businesses. Who did that? Nobody but Jesus. Nobody but the Lord. When they ask him, what, what are your credentials? Did you go to Harvard's business school? Did you go to Emory business school? No, I went to shelf school. It wasn't nobody but Jesus that took me from the bottom to the top. And some of us have the same testimonies. Tell somebody again, I'm evidence of things not seen. I got to show you a scripture, then I'm done. Lord have mercy. Let's go to the book of Luke. I'm telling you, I can go all over this room. This man went to school to be a chef. And now he over businesses in St. Louis, Chicago, Carolinas, over folks with, with masters. And doctor's degrees. You hear me? Have y'all ever heard, I know she wouldn't mind me saying it, Minister Shackleford's testimony? How she's over people that should be over her. He 
Well, it, that ain't that ain't really no Bible or nothing like that, Walker. Is it? Is is that Bible? Uh, you're bringing it up. Is that Bible or they they probably knew someone? No, Daniel and his friends. They not only were promoted, they were promoted while in slavery. Get this. They, they were slaves, but they were over people that were free. Y'all need to read your own Bible. They set Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego over provinces where there were free men and women and those that were in slavery. But they were over them. Daniel was over the affairs of Babylon. Oh, that ain't enough for you though, is it? Joseph came out of prison and became second in command only to Pharaoh, a man that was known for killing God's folk. But couldn't have came out of a trial without Joseph. Y'all ain't heard Ella Florence's testimony. Saints, what God did in scripture is happening now. And all of these folks that I'm mentioning, they will tell you point blank, it's because of faith. And we go all over the room talking about stuff. That's the reason you never need to look at a scripture and not recognize the significance of it. Yeah, historically. But for you, faith walk. Lord have mercy. Let's go further. Right, I'm closing. I'm closing. Lord have mercy. Y'all all right? All right, we, we're, we're going to the book of uh, Luke. Let's consider the sixth chapter of Luke. We're going to consider 14 verses. Lord and mercy, I know it's a lot, but just, just, just hold on. I've only took you to three, three passages, so, so just be happy. How many have been helped from the word? All right, notice Luke 6, we'll start at verse 1. Now it happened on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the grain fields. And his disciples plucked the heads of grain and ate them, rubbing them in their hands. Now, now if they eating raw grain, you know they what? And some of the Pharisees said to them, why are you doing what is not lawful, uh, what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? But Jesus answered them, said... Have you not even read this? What David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him. How he went into the house of God, took and ate the showbread, and also gave some to those with him, which is not lawful for any but the priest to what? Eat. So what, what was Jesus trying to tell them? But just, what was he trying to tell the Pharisees? Basically what I'm trying to tell you, 
They were Pharisees. People that taught other people the law or the word, but they didn't even know the word. You can't be old Christian, but not even know what it is to be a Christian if you're not living by faith. Stay with me. Stay with me. Verse 5. And he said to them, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught. And a man was there whose right hand was with us. So that the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely. Whether he would heal on the Sabbath and they might find an accusation. Help me. Against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to them. And said to the man who had the withered hand. Arise. Stand here. And he arose and stood. Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy? Notice this. And when he had looked around at them all, he said to the man, now notice this, stretch out your hand and he did so and his hand was restored as whole help me what is Jesus doing before religious folks he's showing them the impossible notice he's showing folks that attend church all the time And I know they were religious, but they also knew scripture. He, he's showing them the unseen, the impossible. And see, they're, they're fighting him because they knew, they knew the law, and they only knew the word based upon what is written. They knew the literal but they did not understand revelation. Do you know in our day and time, you have folks that, that are mad at church is like a place of refuge for having church. Now, hold on. Even though they say they are Christian, they know the law, know the word, confess Christian, but are afraid of the unseen. You understand what I'm saying? Now, now this is a sad thing. How can you be in a God-fearing church such as this and really hear and not expect the impossible? They, they seen when Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. Now, hold on. Watch this. Lord, I hope y'all get this. Verse 10 again. And when he had looked around at them all, he looked at all of them, wanted, wanted to see what they were going to do. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he, and he did so. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. But they were filled. 
with rage and disgust with one another what they might do to Jesus. He constantly, I showed you, I showed you three manifestations of Jesus doing the unseen before people. But they still fought it. They still didn't recognize the element of faith. They were outraged because of him doing things with his faith. Outraged because he didn't only do things with his, his faith. The last thing I showed you is when he Use faith by speaking something. And what did it do? Came to pass. But if you look at everything that I just read to you, what you see in it is Jesus doing the unseen. But you also see in it folk that know the word that fought it. Paul saying, Paul saying how folks hated faith and how, how faith became a struggle to where he told Timothy when he was getting ready to pastor, you got to fight the good fight of faith. You mean what I'm living is going to be a fight? You got to fight the good fight of faith. I'm going to stop right there.